Hi guys, welcome back to Book Crawl. Um, no foreplay this week, we're just getting right into it. Hope you're ready. So Harry's partying a lot in London, right? So much so that he even had to co like coordinate with his handler on how they're going to link up at the back of the club. And he he's just like kind of over the scene of like being harassed by the paparazzi. So he gets the fuck out of there, goes to Africa and hangs out with Tej, Mike and Chelsea. And in the spirit of like going on vacation, um, he was pretty much like drunk all day, every day. And he says they, they probably turned a blind eye to his drinking problem. Um, you know, we all know that person when you're going, when you're on vacation, they're like, you know, let's take a shot. Like it's 8 a.m. They're like, it's vacation. Like, no, that's not vacation. You have a drinking problem. That's that was me. Like I'm projecting. But you know, that can't last forever. So he goes back to London and he pleads with the general or the colonel, like, or whoever's like highest in the totem pole to send him somewhere. And he's like, all right, I hear you. Um, we're going to, we're going to take you somewhere a little bit safer though. And he's like, wherever, like I'll go anywhere. And he's like, Afghanistan, how the fuck is that any safer? I don't really know. He goes there and he's like really happy with like the not happy but he's content with like just being treated normally um on the battlefield there's a lot of like he learns a lot and does a lot he kills some people and then one night he's monitoring the radios and they're talking about someone in their code names everyone uses code names and they talk about how like you know someone has been found out his name is red fox and he's for sure going to get murdered so they need to pull him out I feel like the name Red Fox for anyone with red hair is just like not very subtle. Like I, I know like there's probably gotta be like a few more red hairs like in the army or but it's just come on. Like there's so many other anyway. So he's like, damn it, I gotta go back home. And when he's on that flight back home, he's like not very happy. And he realizes that he's the only one not pumped to return home. Everyone else is like, oh, I'm so excited. I get to see my family, my girlfriend, my pet, whatever. And then like he sees this, um, he sees these soldiers, three of them get escorted in and they're just severely injured. Like one of them is like laying down, holding onto a tube of like shrapnels from the bomb that fucked him up. And like the other two, like, I think like they're on wheelchairs or something. And he's like, oh shit, like I have all my limbs. I'm being an ungrateful little bitch. And this scene really affects him. Like he thinks back on it multiple times throughout the rest of the book. And it's actually what inspired him to start Invictus Games. And when he gets home, he's like really, he has a really hard time like reconciling like what it is. Like, Cause like only a few hours ago, he was in the freezing desert, sand everywhere, so uncomfortable, high off adrenaline. And then now he's like back to his cushiony life, hanging out with, not hanging out, but like he, he meets up with like his dad and uh, William. And I imagine they like, you know, have their like dumbass conversation about like surface level shit. And it was like, oh my gosh, like my rich fancy life is like so hard, you know? So he's having a really hard time reconciling that. And he's like, which reality is real? Um, and then he kind of starts having like, having like these anxiety attacks and panic attacks, which I feel like is pretty normal for any anyone like, that was in the battlefield for months and you just get dropped off back into normal civiliz civilization and there's no aftercare like he was only there for like a short amount of time but you know thinking about all the soldiers that are out there for years and they come back i don't 
I don't understand like how people think that's okay. Like that's that they're just a little careless with like people's minds, I think. All right, anyway, moving on. Um he goes to see Chelsea. Um that he he goes to Cape Town. He hangs out with Tej and Mike, of course, and he really just like takes her and he's like, "Wow, this girl's like so carefree. She doesn't give a shit about what anyone thinks." Like, she is kind of, like, the recipe for who you should not marry into if you're a royal. Um, and that seed is, like, planted in his mind. He's like, you know, yeah, I, this, this isn't, like, very fair of me to, like, ask her, ask of her, like, because I know what this life is about. I can't do that to her. But, you know, it's, it's hard to, like, break up with someone when it's, like, out of circumstance. So he's like, oh, yeah, maybe tomorrow. Maybe next time. Mm maybe never and she's meanwhile she's getting harassed by the media they have a tracking device on her car so they're just popping up everywhere she's going she wants to go to target they're there she wants to go to a friend's house they're there she wants to go to a bar they're there everywhere and she's like what the hell is happening she's losing her shit and she's calling him hair bear lover what the hell like you know can you just get these people off me and he's like you know what kind of like this this is kind of like my life and she realized, like, I I can't do this. Like, I'm not suited for this life. And he's like, yeah, I know. It sucks. Like, welcome to my life. She's like, I don't want to be welcome to your life. I mean, she they're a lot more, like, gracious about it. So more, like, they, they break up. And after they break up, you know, he's still, he's still wanting a little TLC. So he's going out meeting people. And he actually has a chapter about Caroline Flack. Um, he met her at a restaurant. He started, like, just chatting up strangers like when that was normal to do and they started they like had a fling for a few months but it was like the same cycle the media started harassing her her friends her family and she was like i'm out i can't do this um the most interesting thing about that whole chapter was that when when they met he was like i don't know who you are like can you believe it like this guy that it's just like baffling like yes you may be royalty but she is reality tv royalty like if anything she's probably higher on the totem pole than you are like how dare you anyway he's like all right i i I just gotta like go like you know not not focus on like romantic relationships and he finds himself thinking back on like the injured soldiers and he really leans into it and thinks about what he can do for soldiers like that and their families he starts Um, paying visits to the soldiers and their families in the hospitals like doing nice things for them charity stuff like and just and and he's realizing he is feeling very very fulfilled by this and seeing that he's actually making a difference in their lives and you know he's feeling good about himself like I'm, i'm so happy for him like when when you do something that like genuinely makes you happy i feel like you just glow in a different way like yeah there was a point in time where he started like looking really happy in his uh yeah no that's a lie it it was just because he was smiling in the photos and they just they were just like no longer paparazzi photos but like photos he was actually taking with like injured soldiers so like of course like he looks much happier than like when he's stumbling out of the club drunk so okay never mind um anyway he goes then he goes back to africa he goes to africa more often than i go into work a week but yeah he he links up with Tej and Mike again and this time they're filming a documentary for planet earth and they ask him like if he can help them out and he's like oh yeah sure and 
he's like running around with a camera in his hand chasing down animals and stuff and he points out the irony that like you know he he lived all his life running away from people like this but now he's like on the other side and he's like oh interesting and he talks about I, I, I told you guys about how much he loves animals, right? The way he describes them is like reading a love letter. It's just so much like, I mean, he was talking about like an elephant and like all her wrinkles and her eyes and making eye contact with these animals. And like, he thinks they all have a message for him. Like the message is coming from, at first it was his mom and now they're like from nature. And he's like, what do they know? Like, what are you trying to tell me? I think they're just like, you're in my way. Like, leave me alone. But he thinks it's something deeper than that. Like, we, we can give him that, you know? He's And he goes back to London and has, has another think about what he wants to do. Because army isn't a viable option anymore. So he's like, maybe I should become a pilot. Um... And when he's training, he gets into an aircraft with a co-pilot and the co-pilot just turns off the engine while they're midair and he's shitting bricks. And he's like, oh, just kidding. Turns it back on and that's kind of how they train. I feel like there's got to be a smarter way to train these pilots, but that's how they're doing it. And I mean, regardless of the fact that this strategy is so silly willy, Harry learns his ropes and he was able to successfully land the aircraft. But when he lands it, he doesn't get so much of a good job or like congratulations. Everyone just assumes like he's doing his job. I get it. Like everyone, like no one wants to be impressed and like no one wants to like give out like free rewards and like they don't want to give out participation trophies, right? But if you're putting your life on the line, a good job wouldn't kill you. And for someone entitled like me, if I land an aircraft like that after someone turned it off midair, um, if I don't get a good job, I'm getting back into that aircraft and I'm crashing it. Like if you're if you're going to do that to me, like we're all going down. While Harry's training to be a pilot, so is Will. And they start living together in a cottage near the base. Cottage is a very humble word for it, but it's their first time living together. And Harry says that they actually had a lot of fun. It was good. They had a lot of great moments um, and it was very pleasant. This was when they first agreed to their joint interview. The reporters wanted to know what it was like living together, the brother dynamics, blah, blah, blah. They come in and Harry's like, oh, uh, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Will was like, oh, Harry's a slob. He snores. <gasps> like, oh my God, talking so much shit. And Harry's like, how dare you? But he can't do that in front of the reporters. The reporters think it's like all a joke. They think it's hilarious. Like shit on the air a little, or shit on the spare a little bit more. And Harry wants to stand up for as well he's like oh these are lies but they think he's just joking and taking part in like the brotherly banter the reporters are loving it and harry's like trying to play it off but he's like mm, mental note you see me as a rivalry like i thought we we're supposed to be brothers but you're just being a dick and what does harry do when he's minorly inconvenienced he runs off to africa he runs off to africa and he's on and off with Chelsea a few more times, but he's like, okay, we really got to end this. So to break up, let's go on vacation together. 
According to him, like, you know, they were, they agreed that this would be their one last hurrah. So they go along with Tija and Mike. And, you know, when you're on vacation, everything's so fun. So, of course, it's impossible to break up on vacation. And they're having one of their conversations, like, maybe this can work out and just being stupid about the entire thing. And Tija and Mike, they've seen them go through their like on like ons and offs like so long that they're like all right guys like can you please stop like this is getting out of hand just break up like you know you all know that like on and off couple and you want to be supportive but every time they're like oh my god we broke up again you're like oh crazy and they're like we got back together oh so happy for you and it's just like when is it gonna end and you and your friends, you guys end up making bets about how many more times they're going to do this, like how short the next one's going to be. And it just gets toxic. But Tej was a good friend and was like, you guys look so stupid. Just put us out of our misery and stop this nonsense now. So Harry's broken hearted. Where does he go? Naturally to Africa. He goes to Lusutu with Will and they do um, HIV work together and they, they're there for a good amount of time that they're building their brotherly bond and Harry's like, I finally have my brother back or so he thinks because they get back to London and almost immediately after Will, in- Will announces his engagement to Kate and Harry finds out with the rest of us. Can you imagine? You just spent so much time with your brother and he didn't say a peep about this. I'm sure it came up in conversation. I'm sure Harry asked him, like, how are you and Kate? What did Will say? Like, oh, we're good. And he's like, what, anything new? And he's like, nope, nothing at all. And then he comes back and wants to blab about it to all the reporters. And that's how he finds out. <sighs> like, I thought we were brothers. I've had girls in the club bathrooms open up to me a lot more than this obviously this is harry's narrative and he's villainizing will pretty hard but if will feels like this is unfair or if he has a different memory of this then maybe he should write his own memoir harry gets invited to do this charity walk at the north pole with injured soldiers and he he agrees to it but the dates are a bit tight with will and kate's wedding um but he goes he gets frostbite on his dick because one of the the guide said to not sweat as if that's something you can help but yeah he sweats a shit ton it all turns into ice it's just like not not a good time so he comes back with a frostbitten penis which he refers to as todger there's no like backstory about like why it's called that who like who even calls it that if it's only him that's weird if it's other people that's even weirder Yeah, and he just kind of assumes that we should know. But yeah, he he comes back. He's in pain. And the morning of, he and Will get ready and they go to Westminster Abbey. And it's really weird for him because that's where um, Princess Diana's funeral was. He looks at at Will and he's like, I wonder if he's thinking the same thing. But he doesn't um bring it up to him he just like keeps it to himself and reading this made me really sad like if you have those thoughts i i I wish he had someone that he could say these thoughts to and your sibling should ostensibly be that person um but then i quickly realized like it is the morning of will's wedding day 
if the morning of my wedding day my brother came to me and was like i am so happy for you but like do you remember this like traumatic incident i'd be like what the fuck is wrong with you he sucks it up at the wedding but at the reception he says that it was so painful that it would hurt to like sit walk stand do anything he describes it as like be like perpetually feeling like he's having sex which I respect how honest is being in the book, but there are some parts of this that I'm like, nobody asked for it and we didn't need this in here. But it leads to the infamous um, Elizabeth Arden cream on dick excerpt that's been floating around everywhere. So he puts his, um, oh my God, this is just so weird. I feel like the ghostwriter wanted to make us feel uncomfortable by making all these references that he didn't need to. But he he puts Elizabeth Arden cream on his dick to like relieve some of the pain. And he says that the smell, it just reminded him of his mom and it felt like she was standing right there. I feel like there's going to be like a TikTok video about how Diane, Princess Diana actually never used Elizabeth Arden cream, but it was just like a brand placement ad or something. That's how forced it felt. Uh, and oh my god, so this chapter is actually really crazy because he goes through this scary torture simulation and so it's him and his, like another guy from his training program or something. I like really need to start reading a little bit more carefully, but they get kidnapped in the middle of the night and then they put blackout goggles on them. They drive them somewhere like through like all these loops so that they kind of like don't have an idea of like where they are. They put them in this building. They put them in a really cold room and they put them in another room where there are sounds of water to like make them feel disoriented. They strip them naked and then they start talking to them about like how small their penis is and like verbally assaulting them and like berating them. I and and I'm I'm sure this is very scarring to them but like as a woman reading this like I feel like that's my worst nightmare if I was like somewhere and I had blackout goggles on naked and people were just like saying mean things to my body I mean like yes magazines all like have always done that to me but you know at least like I was like fully clothed and like what if I was naked and I had blackout goggles and I didn't even know who was saying this wow trauma experience a plus honestly like nothing could beat that but yeah i mean but they don't stop there right they go in they are like so it's harry and this other guy and this other guy is just like a normal dude um and they start telling him all the stuff they know about him his family his loved ones what they're gonna do to them and how they're gonna fuck his life up and he's losing his marbles he's like how did you find this out he feels like he, he's he feels so exposed and harry's like oh damn that sucks but like that's kind of like what i grew up with he doesn't feel i mean like he's obviously scared but he's able to like hold his own a little bit more and the attackers they see this and they're like oh no we're, we're gonna fuck you up too like don't you worry um but they make him hold his arms up he says he says they make him do this like against the wall but like i'm thinking it doesn't make sense uh, well so they make they say that like okay going back he says that he held his arms up against the wall and they started hurting after about like 10 15 minutes like his shoulders started to like be in a lot of pain but like as a korean as a former korean child i can tell you like i've like they do this punishment where you just lift your hands up um your arms up 
and you just stay there in for like the longest that's like the mildest form of punishment in a korean household and it's not against the wall and i feel like i've probably done that for longer than 15 minutes um but then again when you're younger your sense of time is all fucked up maybe i did it for like three minutes and it felt like 20 minutes not sure and i mean like this isn't a competition right but i'm saying like if it was a anyway moving on and, and now that Prince Harry was physically exhausted, they went and got a woman to come in because they were like, we can't hurt his feelings. We need to get a woman for this job. And she comes in and surely enough, she really goes for the mental kill. She's like, your mom, she was pregnant with a Muslim baby when she was killed because like uh, Princess Diana was seeing like Jodie Fayette at the time. And this like sends him into a frenzy he is so upset but he i don't think he acted on it but you know he is he's he, he's like how the fuck can you like be talking shit about my mom okay actually they were talking shit about the other guy's family too but yeah, this isn't his narrative right so harry's pissed after the simulation is over they come up to him and we're like I, you know what it was a little fucked up what we did we couldn't find anything on you that wasn't already exploited to the newspapers so like we had to just like come up with some bullshit to like piss you off but hey it, it looked like it worked didn't we, didn't we do a good job and harry's like what the fuck is wrong with you guys and later we find out um the other guy that was in the simulation with him he goes absolutely crazy they fucked up his psyche so much that he goes insane so i mean i guess perspective shift the whole like getting your secrets and like your whole life exploited in the newspapers growing up like that that actually ended up like protecting him right like that's the golden rim what is that silver highlight the the tin light Oh my god, the silver lining. Oh my god. Okay, I think this is a sure sign that this is enough for today. I know I said I would plan my exits a little bit better, but I'm I'm like mortified, so I can't go any longer. But what is coming up though, I just started part three, and part three is all about him and Megan. It's titled Captain of My Heart. And if it's not the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but also like so intriguing, oh my God, I don't know what is. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.